So every time we come into the Spotify offices downtown, we eat our lunch here, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. We eat all the snacks. We read the coffee bar. They got a wonderful barista here. but The line was too long. So I loaded up on some caffeine diet Cokes. But they have this brand of corn nuts called Love Corn. Really good. Exceptional corn nuts. Exceptional good corn nuts. And I can only imagine that the other flavors must be good. They got to have a ranch. They got to get a spicy. We're just doing the OG sea salt. But I just want to share with you. This is literally how I come up with, would come up with a food idea or a recipe mm-hmm. or a dish. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, changing up a menu later on this podcast. We're going to talk about a few things today. But unannounced to anybody here, I had a, a menu idea. What do you think this would be a good on? These crunchy Corn little corns? Mm-hmm. I mean, almost everything. Salads and yeah. rice. You know what <laughs> I rice. never had it on? And what's probably one of my most cooked dishes of my life is pozole. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because guess what? You either put a tostada or some kind of tortilla chips. A little crunchy thing. And there's hominy on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Corn two ways. Three ways. God damn. Little pozole with love corn. Pozole. I still, you can't have pozole without the hominy. Yep. I still think you have a tostado or chips, but scattered with the. So usually I like to have the slice, you know, it's traditionally cilantro, onions, cabbage, sliced radish, mm-hmm. lime or lemon, you know, missing jalapeno or some chili. Some chili, right? yeah. I think the sixth bowl is a condiment mm. would be corn nuts. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know pozole, go get yourself a bowl. Yeah, go get yourself a bowl. These little these little corn bastards would be really nice because they would probably get they'd hold their crunch the soaky. Yeah, there's nothing better than crunchy soaky. Yeah, it's like the saturated hardest crunch. texture to get mm-hmm. in food. Mm-hmm. You can get the soggy crunchy, and that's aka generous chicken, sesame, you know, right, that, right. Uh, Korean uh, um, tungsiok stuff like that. But the crunchy soaky where it remains crunchy and wet simultaneously. Yeah. This is the sublimated corn. The thing sublimation that is. Sublimation at its <laughs> finest. The platonic I mean, ideal of sublimation. <laughs> we continue to not remember what sublimation <laughs> is. Uh, love corn, though. This is this is probably the finest corn nut I've eaten. I'm sure the founders of, of love corn are like, would these fucking guys stop talking about our product? <laughs> really terrible name, I have to say. Love corn sounds like I like the name. <laughs> love corn sounds like that's a, how you know like it's a, not a sponsor. No, love corn sounds like a fucking STD man. Sounds like something you don't want to get. No, what are dude, you dude? I got a love corn. <laughs> Stop. No, I, I mean disagree. if you want a sponsor, I disagree. I think love corn's an awesome name. There's a reason why they put the, it's love comma Mucho corn. Mucho gusto. It's love. Lo- corn. It's love. No, it's, me gusta. Me gusta. <laughs> I love you, love it's corn. It's love, comma, corn. Love squared. Because look, they, look at what I'm doing right now, love corn. <laughs> because they know you're basically making a little corn heart. I'm making a corn heart. Ooh, pozole with corn Pozole nuts. would be great. Yeah. But am I allowed... Here's another question that will lead into some of the uh, things we might talk about on the spot today. Am I allowed to talk about pozole? Are you allowed to talk about or it? Or make it? You're allowed to do whatever you want. Maybe not speak with authority <laughs> <laughs> on it. Can I talk about, hey, you should add this to Pozole? Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Now, Let, if, I, if I heard somebody's like, well, you should add uh, Texas Pete's hot sauce to, to uh, your kimchi jjigae. Kimchi jjigae. I'd be like, fuck you, man. Uh-huh. Well. But I wouldn't say that publicly. Maybe. Uh, interesting. Interesting. If you heard, let's, let's, like, let's reverse it entirely. If a Mexican person had... Like a some sort of suggestion to to add to add salsa matcha to your to your kimchi jjigae, you wouldn't say fuck. You'd be like, that sounds pretty. Yeah, fucking I wouldn't. Good. No, but I if a white person was like, you should throw some crunch some Lay's potato chips and sprinkle them on your kimchi. Well, that's the thing is, I think I'm not giving myself green light on this at all. But I think where you can, if somebody will do it, is if you can see that there's thought that went into it. Mm. I don't know what the metric is or like the the actual, you know, agreement transaction if there is such a thing. But I, to me, it's did someone was someone thoughtful about the idea? Sure, 
is someone th- well yeah and it's also the suggestion you're making is not at no point we can rewind at no point did you say you know what would make pozole better, better? <laughs> is, is crunchy corn um and it's also possible that someone's already done this and that's why it's like okay if you do this you got to do some homework and you know For i've sure. always done that with with recipes mm-hmm if I before I put it on the menu, I do my best to do the research and be like, has someone done this before? And if they do, I'll try to let them know or I'll at least footnote it or I'll make it be known to the service staff that, hey, this is a this is a technique that was, as far as we know, was created by this restaurant or this chef at the time. Right. And I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, trying to trying to claim the origin of any idea is tough anyway. Well, just do it how a lot of um, you know, periodicals that Publish recipes to it. This was inspired by. This was inspired by. This is a riff on, a take on, adapted from, adapted from. Adapted from. This beef stew was adapted by the grandmother of this famous chef. <laughs> My elevated pozole with corn nuts. No, no, no. Um. Anyway. Sign up for Discord. <laughs> At majordoublemedia.com. Um, yeah, we got some great things. Enough for that. Let's get on to the show. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else, like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit, where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing, you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to, though. But take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled over easy or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Doma Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. Oh, and another non-paid endorsement. Never had it. I've always passed to hippies at the supermarket. Yeah, so we should... Because nothing I like least... I, I hate... I just dislike... Um, I always thought hippies was a puffed actual chickpea. Can I be honest? I you thought, thought so, so too, too, right? I thought it was like an air puffed chickpea. Maybe it is. And this is a new thing. You started telling this story earlier, but we walked into the Ringer studio today... And things were different. I knew something was a mess. Something was like, in the air. You know, Joe Biden is coming by today or something <laughs> like that. We knew something special was happening because the stock section was packed, fully stocked. The There was a, even a cheese plate inside of the refrigerator. I, I stolen. I love corn. It's <laughs> in my pocket. He made, Chang made a beeline for the snack basket and stuffed some in his pocket. But these hippies weren't normally here. Mm, these no. are some kind of... They're, they're like very a, good. I, I'm enjoying the hippies. They're like a, a chickpea Cheeto. I right? don't like the plan name on the actual hippies. Yeah, hippies is, a, once again... The, leave the fucking hippies alone. <laughs> All right? We're, we're going to ramble on about a few things food-wise, restaurant-oriented today. Um, hopefully, it's going to make a little bit of sense. But, you know, we're down in uh, downtown LA, and... Uh, there's only so much pizza one man can eat. And I've had a lot of Bianco pizza. In fact, I had it two times yesterday because I had a meeting at 5 p.m. Not a meeting. I had a, my family joined me at 5 p.m. Then I had a meeting at Bianco pizza at 7 p.m. You, you went bang, bang, <laughs> Bianco pizza. But I didn't eat anything on the 7 p.m. stretch. Nothing. Nothing. Not even a little nibble. Okay, I had a little spadine. A little spadine. A little, a little spadine. A little spadine. Bonjourno. But uh, that was it. That was it. And it was delicious. That's a, that's a really underrated order at Bianco right now. Is to me, it's it's something that's at the Phoenix restaurant too. But I love it. It's just the it's the, the meat wrap cheese stick. Oof. Unreal. Because I'm keto. Unreal. Because I'm keto. Unreal. Um, no, and and uh, I've had a lot of Bianco. I had a lot of Pico Nico. Uh, Nico. Uh, a lot of. Sweet green, because <laughs> mm-hmm. this is a little bit farther away. There's farmer's boys here, but there we we haven't really ventured away from 
We've even had some McDonald's. We might have eaten a little. Makes me might have eaten more than a <laughs> we'll little talk, McDonald's. We're, we'll talk about that in a second too. A couple days ago, I was like, "We got to get some tacos." Oh no, we've also had a lot of Chewy's tacos. And apologies if you're living somewhere else. And you're like, "Great, none of these fucking places make any sense." I understand. Apologies, but that's not what we were trying to get. At. This this will be applicable regardless of where you yeah. are. You may have the same situation. You probably do where you've tapped all the resources out around you, or you think you've tapped all the resources. Um, and I just, you know, I was like, hey, let's get in the car, because we we're, I think, coming back from Spotify, which is literally like a five-minute drive from our offices at the row. I was like, let's get some tacos, but not at the normal places we normally go to. Let's find a taco truck, and that's the paradox. When you need want to find a taco stand or cart, you can't find one. Mm-hmm. They're always exactly on your way to another meal that you want to eat less than a taco or on your way back. Yeah. They're always there when you don't need it. Mm-hmm. But when you need it, they're never there. Does anyone else feel me here? <laughs> <laughs> if you want it too much, it won't reveal itself. But we, we went to a place that I still don't even know the name of this taco truck. I can't remember, but it's a, it's a, the, the side of the truck advertises barbacoa. That seems to be their, that is their specialty. It is currently parked outside of the Canton food market, uh, Chinese Costco. The name of it is Tacos de Barbacoa. That's what I saw in the truck, but I'm pretty sure that's not the name of. No, it's not. We'll find the name. We've been there two times, Monday and Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. Yes. Today is Wednesday. And I, I uh, saw on the menu something that I'd never saw before. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know this word existed. And I thankfully didn't try to pronounce it. Because the good old pronunciation would have made me pronounce it as Pombazos. <laughs> Pombazos. <laughs> and good old Chris Ying goes, oh my God, they got Pombazos here. I said, like, what's that? Yeah, this is, a, this is an old Chris Ying favorite from going to A's games in Oakland. We would stop in Fruitvale Station. My buddy Alvaro introduced me to... Uh, the pambaso, which is basically a sandwich, a torta with chorizo and potato that they take the entire loaf of the entire sandwich and basically dunk it in guajillo chili sauce and then griddle it. Oh, my God. I said with, the day before we got in here, I can't eat another one. And now I want one so bad. <laughs> and it's got crema, iceberg lettuce. A little smear of uh, refritos of beans on the bread. And uh, chorizo. Chorizo and potato. Potatoes. Yeah. Fuck. Wow. It's a miracle. A revelation. Science. This was the 48 hours ago, I was, I learned about Pambasos mm-hmm. for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago that I, I learned that the Samita is not a torta. <laughs> Do you guys know what a Samita is? Not a torta. What is the difference? I don't know. Do you? The difference is the bread, but like a torta can be made from all kinds How of How dare two people not or in food not know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of fucking things you can't know, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Do you know what a pambaso is? I had no idea. Yeah, but you live in LA. You're so cowboy. I have shame never on you, pambaso man. Till that moment, actually. This is our this is our giant. You know, here by the way. <laughs> our, <laughs> yeah. our, our hey guys. Um, yeah, I've I've actually never had a pambaso before, and I didn't even know that's how it, it was pronounced. It's a it's a rarity. Chang took a risk because let's be real. Does Chang really let me order very often and does it work out very well? No. But the reason I did it, can I tell you why I let you order it? Because I didn't know how to pronounce Pombaso. <laughs> I had no idea. So I was like, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> he pushed me out to the front to order. I was filled with dread because this was going to be, I didn't want this he did over, to be. He did over order. Please. I thought we finished everything. But we ate to our unhappy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Finishing everything is not does not mean you didn't overorder. That means you overordered and overate. Just means you ordered enough. So, you know, that's what an interesting thing, right? One is there's no just a reminder, there's nobody that talks about food, that cooks food, that knows every technique, that knows every ingredient, that knows every dish. And the problem is, is I have no idea if everybody knows this. I don't know. I'm just telling you, like, this is the first time that I ever heard of what a pambaso is. It's the first time I ever tasted it. Does that make me a dumbass? Probably makes me a dumbass to some group of people. Well, it makes you a dumbass to, yes, everybody also At least I'm not to, a, one of these people that lies. Oh, yeah. Right. 
you're, you're you're hitting on so many things right now here, though. Like, first of all, there is an entire contingent of humans who just live for this moment, live for someone like you in a position of food authority to not know something so they can be lorded over you. That is the first thing that you've hit on. There are people who just, this fucking idiot doesn't know Pombasos? Oh, my God, what a moron. You haven't seen Annie <laughs> Hall by Woody Allen? Oh, my God. <laughs> Pombasa is more acceptable socially than, than Woody Allen at the moment. Uh, the other really? thing is the other thing is the fucking feigning of knowledge is so infuriating, right? And I understand, it, this. we talked about this when we talked about food criticism. Just not being able to wear your vulnerability on your sleeve, not being able to admit that you learned something new causes so many fucking problems. So I'll just say this. If there's a Pombasso in your area, give it a shot. I learned something today or 48 hours ago and I had it again 24 hours ago. He, re- he, he learned it 48 hours ago and then he relearned it 24 it so hours ago. so goddamn delicious yeah. that what I did was I went down a rabbit hole of being like, where's the quote unquote best Pombasos? Mm-hmm. I, that was my initial reaction. I want to now tell the world that Pombasos are awesome, but I, I've only had one. Mm-hmm. I've only had one. Right. Maybe by the end of the year, I'll have like three or four. Mm-hmm. Does that make me a Pombaso expert? Right. And what will happen? When do I become a Pombaso expert? When am I allowed to then write a list that says these are the best Pombasos in fucking mm-hmm. the world? And what would happen, say, Dave, if you ate 55 more different Pombasos this year and you realize the one that you fell in love with is actually number 50 on your list of top Pombasos. Or what if the Pombaso that I ate was the equivalent to the Pombaso fan base of a Domino's or Pizza Hut Pizza? Yeah. What if the, yeah, huh. what if you ate some basic ass Pombaso and are telling people that it's great? And uh, they're calling me stupid and, oh my God, are you. Uh, being sponsored by them. <laughs> it is true that Dave has a, a, a little jacket with a Pombaso patch on it. Yeah. Yeah. The Pombaso, the Pombaso that I technically like. And again, you can change Pombaso for chicken sandwich, bowl of pho, anything. You know, anything. Donut, bagel. Because guess what? Every fucking way you look, best of, most essential. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. This is the the greatest X in this city. Yeah. The top 10 in this world. But what if the one I like is not even on there? Right. Am I dumb? Right. Does that invalidate <laughs> Does it invalidate your experience of loving this sandwich if it turns out to be bullshit? And, and, and you know, we joke about James Joyce a lot on this podcast. And never it, it, are we trying to say that he's not a great writer and Chris is looking at me, where are you going with this? <laughs> It's like, no, I was just thinking, we do joke about James <laughs> Jones a lot on this podcast. Why do we do that? Because we're uh, overeducated. <laughs> but if you look at the top 10 lists of these are the movies, these are the books, you know, let me tell you what's one of the worst movies that su- just sucks. Rosebud, Orson Welles. <laughs> Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane sucks. <laughs> fucking sucks. I'm sorry. I don't give a shit. You know why? I'm not a fucking cinephile. I didn't go to fucking... You know, I'm not trying to become fucking Steven Spielberg, even though I love Fablemans. Mm-hmm. It's like, I like Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, that's somebody's list and a bunch of people can say that it is. I'm not trying to say that it's not great, but it just shows you the arbitrariness of what these lists are and how, not necessarily polarizing, but how bad someone can feel. If they like something, but it's not in vogue with the current standards of acceptance. Mm-hmm. There are two sides of this. I think that you don't. I, I remember telling you about this story of, of going to just a random, very run of the mill French bistro in San Francisco. Just, you know, your total prototypical. It's f- French onion soup and cassoulet and all of the, the standard, standard, standards. This is not a restaurant of, of note. It's not Corey Lee's bistro. It's nothing like this. And, you know. As a jaded person, you sit there and think, well, this is just another run-of-the-mill French restaurant. But the table next to me, I listen to these two women say, I've never had, I've never had foie, foie gras before. This is amazing, you know? And I don't want to ever invalidate. I am jealous of that experience of people eating, you know, a very a mediocre version of something I know can be much better and feeling joy 
But I don't imagine those two women are going out and writing a fucking list that says top five foie gras restaurants, which is something that also happens. Like both sides of this need to be discussed. You cannot invalidate somebody's experience, subjective experience. At the same time, I don't want somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about, like declaring objectively that something is great. When you're in food, people ask you, what's the best place to get Korean barbecue? Or what's the best place? I'm going to LA for the weekend. What are the places I have to stop at? And my first question is, what do you like? You know, what do you like? What do you like to eat? You know, so if you see me on the Discord, shout out Discord, um, and you ask like one of these questions, usually I'll come back with like, here's some things that I would try. You know, you're coming from Texas where barbecue is not something that you're probably interested in, you know, but what are you into? And they're like, well, I heard the Korean food is great. And I, I've had Korean barbecue. Okay, well, here are the other things that I would try, you know, that you're in LA, you probably can't get it in Texas. All right. So, well, which that list is dwindling by the day, but, um, that's, that's something I, I always think about. It's like, it's, it's more of like a human connection. I feel like a connection to this person. And I want to be like, I want you to see the side of LA that you haven't seen yet. You know, I want to, I want you to see this, like, don't go on those lists and like, look up like that's barbecue in Koreatown. Like, well, I'm pretty sure some publications are going to be like, these are the best pombosas in the place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's how it happens. And 100%. unfortunately, that's how things move and things get disseminated. And I wish there was a better way, but really it was like, there's just, there's, there's a lot loaded in this pombaso moment for me because I was humbled and I was awesome to be like, God, I don't know shit. Mm-hmm. I love it when I genuinely love it when I don't know this. God. Anything. Yeah, and and I love it when I'm like, I taste something. Like, holy fuck! Nobody told me this. Yeah, there's no better feeling when you watch a movie. You're like, what the fuck is this about? This is awesome. Right. We can have that moment all the time if you just unplug a little bit. Yeah. And you know what? We probably wouldn't have found this pombaso place. It's not even pombaso place. This is a barbacoa taco truck. Mm -hmm. Also, tacos there very good. If these two fucking knuckleheads that I'm looking at weren't like, no, the taco's over there. <laughs> it wasn't that we were following a list, but he's right. Chang literally tapped into the force because we were, we. What did I say? I said, literally, I'm going to use the force. He said, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this left turn. And, you know, and I knew there was another taco. We hadn't been there, but we had yeah. seen another taco truck. But fucking Padawan, Jedi master over here decided, oh, no, I'm going to make a left right here. And you guys were so pissed. No, we were excited to see it. It looked good. No, 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 no. You were pissed that I didn't, I made a left with no sight of a taco truck at the moment. I would have been pissed. Here's what would piss me off is if that taco truck hadn't been there, then we would have gone to the one that we knew existed. And would we be on this podcast being like, we went to the great taco truck, even though fucking Chang tried to turn us down the wrong street. No. But, be, you know, I, I wanted to say before that list of top pombazos comes out, I'm already I'm already having fucking conniptions in my mind about what I'm going to see next. I'm going to see an Instagram post from some from from food media that says pombazos are a traditional sandwich from Veracruz, Mexico, blah, 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 blah. So says tag whatever Hispanic Instagram handle like that validates the entire post. Like that's coming guys, that's coming. <laughs> and then the list is coming next. But am I allowed to talk about, when am I allowed to talk about Pombasos? I didn't post anything and I haven't posted much on social media as of late, just cause we got the studio and I'm just taking a, like a sort of a break. Like I think it, I just am. And I'm also like reflecting, like when can I talk about this? When am I able to share this? And I'm going to wait. But I dawned on me, it's like, I don't know if the powers that be want people to do this because it fucks up the algorithm. It fucks up the way things are set up. It screws up for sure the illusion of choice that is well, presented to you. Do you so the reason why the gatekeepers want to keep things to these finite lists rather than saying they there want is you to a- only take a right turn. Like that's right. it. But it's also because they know more than anybody how impossible it is to be exhaustive and completionist. To really definitively say, this is the best, I don't know, 38 whatever's in in a city or a place or whatever. That's impossible. Can we just put that out there? That's impossible. So they're aware of how impossible that job is, which is why they want to keep it to this thing. But the problem, to Yuno's point, is... You remove the context from everything. So, you know, you were just talking about recommending people Korean restaurants. I've asked you two separate occasions for restaurant recommendations. The first time was 
I need a restaurant where I can celebrate my 80-year-old father's birthday with a group of 10 people around Orange County. Like, I didn't say, give me a Korean restaurant. I said, like, here's the context. Consider, like, the context of what we're talking about. Here's the kind of eaters they are. Here's how much money we want to spend. The other one was, oh, we're going to eat in Koreatown because it's convenient. Here's my audience. (laughs) I've got two kids and a non-Asian person who might be unfamiliar with a lot of stuff. Should I take them here, here, or here? And like the the context is so much more important than, hey, what's the cuisine and the best of the cuisine? You know what I mean? Like you need to provide, like that's what makes eating, that's, we did this on Ugly Delicious. Like that's the difference between eating and dining. I'm going to make this, I'm going out there on a limb on this one. But I think all of this hyperbole of best of, essential, the greatest, blah, blah, blah. That is actually one of the reasons. I mean, it's just ruining so many things. I just want everyone to understand that. If you work in food media, you should stop it. It is something that I believe 10, 15 years now, in the some distant future, they're going to look back and be like, I can't believe we, we wrote that way. Because it hurts so many businesses. When you write, this is the best, this is the most X, Y, Z, you hurt more businesses than you're helping. Explain that, because I, uh, from the outside... No, they need to fucking know that. But explain it, because from the outside... I, Not them, I'm saying the fucking food media that I know, but for, from the outside looking in, food media is helping the places that they say are the best. It gives you an illusion of choice. And I was trying to explain this to you know. Everything's sort of a video game that they're giving you instead of five characters that you can choose, they're giving you 10, 20, 40, whatever, but they're characters and a sort of narrative that's already been set and chosen. It's no different than when you're listening to sort of even Spotify and the algorithm, mm-hmm. so, right? These algorithms, there's probably like 40 different algorithms of different song choices that people listen to. The more we follow that, the stronger that algorithm is and the more insular that bubble you are in will always become Mm -hmm. and you are never going to make that left turn you are very very rarely going to go to that restaurant next to the restaurant that you are trying to visit right i'll give you an example we go to antico uh in k-town there's a uh, kukbap place um what is kukbap for uh, for people that don't know what the fuck i'm talking about uh kukbap puzan style is a pork bone broth uh soup with um usually with some pork and then you just it's translates literally to soup rice you put the rice in the soup and just mix it together they give you a little spicy uh paste that you mix in and uh and what are the five best gukba places in LA? <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like every time we're there grace and i are like well we got to go to this gukba place and i don't look at anything we went to uh hangari the hangari uh, han- hangari, uh, yeah. hangari the, and i hadn't been there in a while that th- this place in cape town so for anyone that's listening, imagine a place that you used to visit and it was never busy and now it's very, very popular. And I'm not saying it's because of us, but I'm going to say it probably has a lot to do with it. And this was an area that was always underserved in the sense of that it was a, one of the worst shopping malls for food. This particular stretch always had vacancies and was never, ever, ever, ever fucking busy. Ever. It was always empty. And this restaurant, oh, it was this restaurant called Sunandang was empty all the time. Not just three or four in the morning, 7 p.m. It's called Sunandang. I started talking about it. Jonathan Gold wrote about it. And then that started to fucking turn into like this crazy thing where now every restaurant there is popping. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, and I'm not trying to blow smoke in my own ass, it's because like I'm just trying to find like relevance here for me to think about just with uh, spoon by H and there's other restaurants where I've gone to. I'm like, well, no one's written about these things and you want to like support all these business owners that are trying to stay afloat. So all of this talk about, Hey, let's help out the restaurant business. These best of lists actually, and I know no one's doing it intentionally, but the more we sort of follow them, the less diversity we're ever going to have. Mm. So I think it's ironic that a lot of these writers that are celebrating diversity in food, but the very thing that they're publishing is actually killing the future prospects of it. Sure. I feel like... Not I, killing, and again, it's not intentional, but I don't know what the answer is, but we got to find ways to, you know, we're joking. Everyone's got to get their merit badge to be their own Jonathan Gold. Mm-hmm. 
I think that, the, so that side of it. So putting aside, I understand the motivations. And, and like I said, I understand why food media needs to do this. I know very well because we tried to run a food media brand that did not do this. <laughs> and it didn't and the hypocrisy is real. Like we're going to do top five. I understand. Like don't, we're throwing stones here. But I, I think what it. we're talking about really is, is all right. So I had a, a, I tore my ACL years and years ago and I got a, you did? I got, a, I got a reconstructed knee and I went to go check in with my, my doctor a week later and I came in on crutches that they had given me. And the doctor said, why are you still using those crutches? And I was like, I just, it hurts. I just got surgery. And he's like, no, 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 you're done. <laughs> Took them away from me. It made me go out there. My, my point is you don't need the list as an eater. That's, that's really, that's, this is, this is as much a diner thing as anything else. I think we feel compelled to not waste opportunities, to not waste money, to, to have an idea where we're going, to have some validation from somebody else that we're going to eat the right thing. You're going to get a shitty meal at places on lists too. Like you also, you, you don't need the crutch as much as you think. Like you're, you're great at this, Chang. You're great at, I'm just going to go blind into this. I'm going to go, I'm just going to wander and find a thing. And I'm also good at taking other people's suggestions. That they tell me, don't fucking go there and tell anybody. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you have intel, but I think you can intuit, you know, we can walk in and you can sort of intuit, but I think, I think you're absolutely right that God, some of us will just see the signs right in front of us and think we'll be headed to a restaurant that's on our, on our list that we heard about and pass by six or seven places that look interesting, but none of them have shown up in a list anywhere and think, well, I need well, somebody it, to tell me exactly, those are good. Chris, and it's a, the, 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 we're all sort of guilty of this where like you look at a place or an area or whatever, and you're just like, oh, that can't be good. Can't be good. It can't be good. You need to understand that same mentality. You are guilty of all the people that said all ethnic food can only be reviewed as 25 and under. Mm -hmm. It's the same fucking bias. Yeah. And you're you're closing yourself off to good shit. Like that's the real benefit. It's not about it's not about doing work for anybody else. If you want to look at this selfishly, you're gonna find more cool shit to eat. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be something that somebody else has validated or, or whatever. I think your video game analogy is really good because people think they have choice, but they don't. Well, as I was thinking about it, it's not just the characters. Like, you know, you play games, you go, you, you play a big open world game where you're wandering around and it looks vast and, and there's so much you can do, but only one out of 15 of those buildings can you actually walk into, right? The game is guiding you in this way. You think, oh, there's a huge open world. All these houses are just kind of decorative. I can't go into these doors. Oh, you know, I could go over here and, and mess around on this side quest, but really the game's going to drive me back into the doors I have to open, the places I have to go to. You know what makes living in the real world better than video games? You can go into whatever fucking door you want to go yeah. into. And that's exactly right in terms of the video game analogy. What I'm telling you is it's okay to play sometimes, but turn off the fucking video game and step the fuck outside <laughs> And enter the fucking world on your own accord. Like, you can do that. And we all need advice. We all need go here, go there. But, like, not all the fucking time. Not 24-7. Mm -hmm. We all understand that concept. Don't be on your phone looking at social media 24-7. But, like, we are doing that in terms of how we eat. I'm guilty of it just as anybody else. Yeah. You know, and, and like, this is all happening because I ate this pombaso. The other part of it was... When do I have the authority to talk about this? I never will. So I got to learn more. That's on me to do. Um, I probably don't want to, you know, I probably want to get those, you know, know the food truck more, eat more bombasos, probably talk to other people. I don't know. But at some point, it's like, no matter how much work I do, someone is going to say like, oh, you're fucking, you're just like co-opting and stealing. Fucking. No, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm really celebrating. I think it's fucking awesome. I think it's, a, how, you know how rare it is to fucking make an innovation in a sandwich? Yeah. It's God, fucking it's insane. Sandwiches That's like why that. I was thinking about the pasta. I was like, holy fuck. This is like modern, holy fuck moment to me. I was like, wait, this has to be a modern invention. I don't know. Recent. Yeah. 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe less. But like to make it. A, that's like. Yeah. Crazy innovation in a sandwich that's not just putting stupid fucking things inside it, but it's like a, a, a new way of doing a French dip almost. And it's still crunchy. It's got texture. It also is, from my understanding, exudes Mexican food. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's fucking super cool and I'd love to learn more. Well, I think I think the people who are going to say, 
see, this is this is so obvious. You don't know about Pombasos. Like this is classic. This is you're, you're an idiot. You're uninformed. That's the whole fucking point. The fact that something that can be low hanging fruit to people who know and still be a moment of discovery for somebody who knows a lot about food. Like that's the fucking best thing in the world that there's still cool shit to find. Like that is what we should celebrate rather than to alienate. And this got me thinking just in general about just how we categorize a lot of the food that we go to. And again, food's a vehicle for just just about everything else in culture. And it got me thinking about just the food snobbery of it all. Mm. Especially if I took that angle. And this is exactly how I thought about it growing up when I talked about Domino's Pizza, which I talk about a lot. Guess what? Because it had a huge moment, huge impact on my life. Pizza Hut was the first pizza I ever had, but it wasn't the first delivered pizza because that was Domino's. So those were the... Northern Virginia, there's not like fucking real pizzerias that Korean Americans knew about. Mm -hmm. I love pizza and I love Domino's. So if I tell people I still like it, we've talked about... We made a whole episode about this. People are like, you fuck you. You can't like that. I'm like, so my nostalgia is wrong. Mm-hmm. You're, you're telling me how my parents immigrated to this country is wrong. Yes. <laughs> More or less. That I now have to take an air of superiority and say only this kind of pizza is the best pizza in the world. And I'm disregarding anybody else and their feelings about how pizza might be good to them. Mm-hmm. And the pizza, as you know, was alluding to, is very similar to Korean food. Was, the best is very relative. And I don't know, that ambiguity is very hard to package in a, in a, in a essay or a fucking sh- short map of shit. So I, I find that the irony to me was, wait a second, like all the terms we use in food, and people I think have celebrated food as a foodie thing now, like food culture, as this very democratic thing that is very, especially how it's being presented by the gatekeepers as very accessible. We're celebrating diversity. Uh, (laughs) It dawned on me that if I like something and I didn't know anything like Pombaso and there's, again, like I have no idea if this Pombaso that we like so much is the Domino's or McDonald's or Pombaso's. It could very well be. I don't know. And, but a group of people may hate on it and say, you dumbass. That is a form of elitism and snobbery Hmm. that no one is aware of. That stink is so high and the hypocrisy is so great in food that I was like, holy fuck, maybe this is common sense and knowledge to everybody else, but I was like, oh, this is pretty fucking funny. All the words, even Yelp, elite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Best of, most essential, Michelin guide, most, all of these things that are very rarefied. Mm -hmm. I am, again, just as guilty as anyone else. So as I'm I'm finger pointing, I'm I'm also finger pointing at myself too. I was like, the word foodie, I never use the word foodie. I never described that as such. And I think one of the breaking points in food culture was in the early aughts when food became accessible, right? Great food. It's, I think, one of the reasons why Momofuku flourished. One of my goals was to bring that underground of food overground. I was like, because at the time, in the late 90s and before that, if you really like food, I don't want people to understand this, if you really cherish food, for the most part, it meant you were, you were super rich hmm. and you went to fine dining French restaurants and you, were, you, you knew what the word summering was, <laughs> right? That type of shit. Uh-huh. But I was like, okay, that pattern never changed. Just the color has. Like mm-hmm. people now... That our foodies probably have embraced it because it's accessible. It's also the same sort of pattern to me when I think a lot of people have enjoyed orange wines, oxidized whites, because it's accessible because no one else was buying them. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Very few people that enjoy Bordeaux and Burgundy and Chablis are like, I fucking love this. (laughs) You know what would make this wine better if you left it out for a little while? Overly oxidized. No, you know what I mean? It's like you, you, you tend to like these pockets of culture that you can own. And I think food culture was the antithesis of a lot of that fucking high-end snobbery. But the snobbery has never fucking left. Well, the snobbery has become something else. So the, the snobbery you described in the beginning, I think is right, is, is yeah, 
fine dining was literally high end, only accessible by people with the bankroll to achieve it. It's the, not the bankroll, it's the cultural snobbery. But the new, the new snobbery, yeah. The new cultural snobbery reminds me of what it was like to be into music in 2005. Where if you didn't, if you didn't, if you weren't an indie rock, indie hip hop savant, if you went to shows that, if you went to shows that were sold out, then you, they were too, they were too popular. Like that shit was, was what you're talking about now, where you look down on people who enjoyed pop music or were nostalgic for music that you thought was lesser than what you know. You know, I'm into noise rock. I'm into, uh, you know, underground hip hop. And anything that came before it is less now. And I cannot appreciate that music anymore, even though it gave me wonderful feelings as a kid before I knew all the cool shit. I was in fucking sufferable in 2005 about music. And frankly, closed, like, listened to a bunch of shit I didn't actually like and closed my mind to stuff that really brought people joy. So I think that music has come. You always talk about how fashion is ahead of food. I think music is ahead in the way that it has become less segmented to pop versus indie. You know, in a, in, I think we're all sort of guilty of doing things or celebrating things to make ourselves feel good. And I was just thinking when you were talking about that, remember, I can't remember, Bourdain really popularized that woman that would, like was reviewing, she was like a civilian reviewing Olive Garden. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and people, oh, well, it's a feel-good story. Well, if you really think about it, they were just making themselves feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? To remind themselves they're not elite. Yeah. Oh, there are people out there that like Olive Garden. Yeah. That's fucked up. Right. All the fucking people that were talked about that, they're it's so fucked. Yeah. If you really think about it, why are you even writing about it? Right. Have you written about Olive Garden since? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where's the other people that you're trying to find that are celebrating the things that most Americans eat? Wrong. Mm -hmm. No, because guess what? It made you feel good. Right. To be like, hey, look at this. Look at these little animals over here. Yeah. It's uh, it's just, uh, to me, it's the hypocrisy, right? I am just as guilty as anyone else before someone says, well, fuck you, Dave. Exactly right. Fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And you brought up something with fashion. And I was thinking, too, how cyclical things are, right? But it's always, it's not. The things of, everything goes back to the way some, not everything goes back, but, you know, I think we're sort of in the way we're in the mid-90s in food, but not exact. In fashion right now, there's a, there was an article recently talking about how a lot of the runway shows and magazines now are going back to the heroin chic of the super, super thin, wafy models of the late 90s, the Kate Moss era. Well, I got, I don't know what that is in food. Mm-hmm. I don't. But it does show you that if all of this work and culture can happen about diversity and happens in other parts of culture where things are going back to really weirdly the fucking late 90s, mm-hmm. mid to late 90s, not a fucking surprise to me. I could be totally wrong. That's just what makes sense in my head. Then what is it in food? What is that relationship in food? Yeah, I mean, I think I think people won't can't believe you when they would say because they think that food is on a, a sort of linear progression. It's always advancing. It's always becoming more sophisticated, more diverse, more you know interesting. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Nobody would have said fashion's going to go back to the '90s. Nobody would have said they would have said no. What are you talking about? It's crazy. So before you write off the idea that food is going to regress, revert, return. I, th- I think I would, I would implore you to think about that for a second. If it can happen in fashion and m- music and everywhere else in culture, it can happen in food, like 90s too. 90s is cool in sports. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. You, those uniforms are really getting ugly again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, really, they're really throwing back and to in the just like, era. And like uh, in secondhand and streetwear culture, it's the like 90s stuff. It's happening. It's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it, uh, we've talked about that in terms of restaurants and plating and flavors on that end? Do you, are you thinking though that, are you saying that on the, whatever, I'll call it the, the sort of more affordable end that we are going to retreat back away from what food media is celebrating in terms of? It's already happening. Yeah. 
what are the restaurants people are talking about? You know, the, I hate to bring up this fucking a very esoteric thing, but I bring it up always time and time again. It's like what I studied about religion. You, you study religions in the, to study religions of the uh, many years ago, 2000 plus years ago, you studied religions that were created the 30 years ago, right? It's like patterns don't change. Mm-hmm. They don't like human, how we are as people that doesn't change culture changes, but like the patterns repeat themselves over and over and over again. And it's like, okay, it's like, this is happening. It is, it just is like, I, that's how I see it. I don't want it to always be true, but that's just technically what I, not technically what hmm. I believe in. It's just what I see. And I think that where we're at in food is very similar to where we're at clearly in other parts of culture. We talk about this ad nauseum. So I, I don't know. The chew on. <laughs> I want a pombasa so bad now. <laughs> I said I I woke up this morning and said I wouldn't have one. All of this was because I had that Anton ego like moment eating that pombasa because I was like, oh man, this is fucking great. I, nobody told us to eat this, and it's just pure joy. We were sitting eating, being like, this is this is really good. That moment of discovery, that moment of excitement, that sense of pleasure that was unexpected, but could have been to other people. That's a high. And guess what? I'm an addict and I love that shit. And it's better when you're told that you can't do it or Mm -hmm. it's not there. That sense of discovery is lost. It is totally fucking lost Mm -hmm. for me. So it's like, okay, like how do you put that shit away? How do we, in positions to sort of be custodians of culture, particularly food culture, how do we get people to better arm themselves so they can make better decisions on their own? Well, yeah, I, I think, I think that, uh, <laughs> we joke about this. It's half joking. It's, it's actually very real than not letting me order that Chris is a terrible order that he walks into every restaurant and gets the wrong thing. You got to be willing to make a lot of misses. Because it's not always, you're not always going to open that styrofoam container and find a fucking beautiful pombasso in there, right? And I, I do appreciate, Chang, like you let me go but, out on a limb with this but thing. But that's the suffering. You that's know the I mean? suffering you have to endure. You got to endure a lot of fucking ordering the wrong shit at the restaurant. There's going to be more bad than good, but that's, that's what we're missing. It goes back time and time again. The fucking genesis of this podcast is like, guess what? Like, you know, removing suffering isn't always the best fucking thing. And that tasted good. You know why? Not just because it was legitimately, physically a beautiful food object. It's like we were doing something that we weren't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We were fully aware this could fucking suck. And here's the other thing. We could go back and it could suck. Mm-hmm. And then we could go back again. It could be awesome. Then we go back again. It could suck. That's what makes it great. Yeah. But simultaneously, it's like that's where people don't want consistency. You know, they, they don't want McDonald's. I, I don't have the answer. But um, and we'll take a break. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled over easy or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. All right, nobody anticipated a 45-minute Pambasso fucking <laughs> I missed multiple the, off-tangent. I missed the editorial meeting these two had. <laughs> so I definitely wasn't expecting it. Um, but I wanted it to be weirdly restaurant-focused, and I I was told that uh, it's a, in L.A., it's Dine L.A. Restaurant Week, and again, and the majority of our listeners aren't located in Southern California. But guess what? If you live in an urban area, more than likely... Your municipality is working with the hospitality industry and trying to figure out a way to boost tourism and fucking restaurant traffic. And they have restaurant week. 
that's ultimately what it is. It's, hey, we're working with a group or a select group of restaurants, and they're going to have a, a deal at this specific time for this uh, two-week period XYZ, right? I have a horror. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's the best deal. So typically it's... I hate a restaurant week in New York City. Typically, it's like a you go into, there's maybe 50 or 100 restaurants that agree to participate. If you go into any of these restaurants during this week, there is a set. They have, the, Each restaurant has its own menu. Three it's, courses for $49.99 a person, is, whatever it is. It, it is. Restaurants really probably won't make money, but it's more of a marketing thing. It's a way of giving a flavor to, I mean, I understand the, again, on I, I, I fully support the goal of it, which is to put asses in seats, not just put asses <laughs> in seats, but maybe like spread the word of what you're doing to a group of people sure. that may not normally do it because your normal menu might be too expensive. Like, so I, I, I support it in theory, but the execution of it is very difficult to do from the restaurant side, from the restaurant side. Mm-hmm. And if you're a cook that's listening and pre-service and you're like, amen, dude, I hate this fucking service because <laughs> it sucks. It's also so you said you it's, know it's lunch. You a lot of times it's lunch, yeah, and it's whew, those are really difficult services, especially say if you're in New York or a dense urban area. Uh, it's like a preset menu, so there's really again illusion of choice, but it's really not indicative of what the restaurant is, and it's really not yes. indicative of the food that can be cooked and whatever station the cook is working. They're in the fucking weeds because you're like, oh my God, it's order fire pickup, order fire pickup. You're constantly trying to cook things ahead to sandbag to get ahead, right? And it's just a nonstop, all day assault. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe one of the worst brunches you, not <laughs> worse than brunch. It's, I would say it's the worst service you can do in food is doing one of these restaurant week like deals. They suck because it's so monotonous. And it's terrible. And I think from the, there's got to be an element. I, I remember having to cook some of these too, but it's not fulfilling because you're also, you're basically picking the three most middle of the road things that aren't going to, it's because it's maybe it's about price accessibility. It's also about come to our restaurant where we do really exciting stuff, but here's the steak <laughs> because you're going to understand we don't want to alienate anybody. So you're cooking, I, I don't want to insult anybody, but I think generally you're cooking the three most boring things to cook. When you when you're serving these things too, it is some version of purgatory. <laughs> Not quite hell, but no, it could be. You're totally stuck in some Groundhog Day shit. Just like another steak, fire steak, fire steak, fire steak, fire steak. If you're doing, you know, if it's a hundred seat restaurant, you're doing three hundred covers in ninety minutes. You know, that's what it feels like. Two hours. Yeah. You know, because it's like a turn and burn. So. Again, I, I have mixed feelings about it. But My, so, the, what's the what's the other side of it? What's the mixed side? Because you are getting some new customers in. You're seeing other places. Are you that, seeing return customers from this? I don't think so. No. Uh, the The mixed side is again, like I do know that there are people that get to say, like, "Hey, I finally got to go to this restaurant." Right. Which is nice. It's nice. But I'm also like, you're not getting the real thing because financially, you just can't. Ex- you can't. No. Uh, <clears throat> whenever I go in for these things, I always see the menu, and then they're like. Here's the Dine LA menu. And I'm like, yeah, but I want that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this sucks. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll be back next week. How about that? You know, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you just kind of think like, it it has that effect of like comparison, which is, you know, something price testing and people do is like, they give you multiple options. One clearly like, yeah, whatever option. And then like the, this is the one you really want, you know? And then it has that effect. And I've definitely gone back after going in for Dine LA. I'm like, oh, that looks exciting. What the hell? I'm like, can I order that right now? Like, and then they just look at me like, you would be an asshole to order that right now. You know, now. it's going from restaurant to restaurant, participating in every time in LA. <laughs> but I, I, and that's when I stopped doing it was because like, you're packing an awful of people who are all trying to order the same thing. And if, if you order off that, like you feel like a dick. So like, I'll be back in like a couple of weeks, guys. You know, like mm. that's how I feel. So I actually think it's a power move to order the dine menu as your appetizer and supplement, supplement, supplement. I've, I've done I, don't that also. I think that's <laughs> the power that move. Just a feel for the servers and the cooks during those weeks because it is fucking brutal. It's mm-hmm. a very, very difficult service. So just be mindful. Yeah. And if you are mindful, then you probably won't go. <laughs> Do you, is it actually, I mean, 
is it actually a bad time to go if you're not going to order that menu? Is it a bad time to try and visit a restaurant when they're getting slammed like this? I just have a lot of PTSD and I hate, I hate it so much. Any place, anywhere it is, I hate it. I hate it, hate it, hate it. I understand why it exists, but I fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much, so much, so much, so much. I, I never want that to happen to anybody. Right. So bad. Well, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an, it's an enforced rush that you have to endure. Yeah, I mean, don't do it. <laughs> support, support Dine LA, but simultaneously, but simultaneously, don't do it. Hey, live every week like it's restaurant week. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I read somewhere about, uh, I think it was Domica that's trying to get rid of most of their menu items in New York. And it's a award-winning restaurant by a very up-and-coming, very cool restaurant group that's doing excellent work. Um, and I was like, oh, it would be interesting to see some, I don't even know what's coming off or what's coming on. I still haven't even been to that restaurant yet. That is an interesting time when you make a decision at a restaurant to be like, nope. Just to change it up entirely. Taking it off the menu. Mm-hmm. I always think about our good friend Wiley Dufresne who opened up Stretch in New York City. Uh, also, not just Wiley, our good friend uh, Brooks Headley, not that it you need to know. That's a perfect example. Uh, there's been so much fucking coverage of Superiority Burger as it should, but we're about the same coverage for everything else that's been <laughs> promised. Uh-huh. And I'm so excited to go to Superiority Burger. Wiley at WD50 had one of the original dishes that was a hit. It was a cod with smoked paprika oil and smoked mashed potatoes mm. and piperon fucking delicious it was almost immediately a signature dish what did he do he took it off what's wiley's thinking there that's not who i am Hmm. don't pigeonhole me don't tell me that Mm -hmm. this is what i have to be i respect it and i admire it so much so it's been a i don't really have the answer either what to do you know um if you people order it so much then you get stuck in a creative rut and that's all you ever do. And you don't want to just become a cover band of yourself, but that's a hard thing for both the audience to know too. And it's also hard from a creative endeavor because you're like, okay, these dishes pay the bills. I've certainly had many of them and you have to find some kind of balance to both. The most extreme version is like every six months or every year or every season, we're not doing it. It's gone. You'll never see the dish again. Yeah. Very, 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 very difficult to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different, that's a different animal, but you're you're talking about it's interesting, right? Because this kind of action, to your point with Wiley, this is what makes you this is what reminds you that a restaurant is not just a place where you're it's not run by people who are in the business for money necessarily. They still want to make money. That's I I'm saying that wrong, but the simpler move is. Oh, we did it. But there's we other, locked in the items. Yeah, but there's other ways to do it. Like, uh, you know, Brooks, I know it's continued to tweak and change the the burger that was literally the name of his restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what iteration it is. So that's one way you can do it where you're constantly changing the dish that, you know, you can be subversive still. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's difficult for a customer because sometimes you're like, I just want the hits. So it's it's actually exactly the same if you go to a concert and you're like, they just released a new album. And you know, sometimes when you the new album gets released, it hasn't hit your own personal understanding of it yet, where you're like, you love it because mm-hmm. it's still a new. It's like the new student in school. You're like, yeah, it's, <coughs> yeah, I don't like it. It hasn't grown on me yet. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. And then you're like, Two years later, like, I, I love it. Yeah, I feel you. And the process repeats itself. Then you yeah. see me in concert, and you're like, ah, they're only playing the album that I fucking hated mm-hmm. before, but now I like. Mm-hmm. You know? Or it's like, oh, they're only playing new songs, but they're not playing the old album that I fucking hated. <laughs> <laughs> then I liked. Yeah. It's a hard, no one wins here. Nobody wins. Because you have, if you play the hits, then people are like, well, we'll just play it all the time. Right. If you don't play the hit, people are like, what the fuck? I think it, so all I can say definitively, it takes a tremendous amount of courage and shout out to any 
of the chefs and restaurateurs that say, fuck it. Damn the torpedoes. We're fucking, we're burning it all down. We're going new. I don't, I never had the ability to do that because I just didn't, I'm courageous. In a lot of things I was never able to pull that off. And those that can, like I admire Wiley in so many ways. And that is certainly one of them to be like, no, you yeah. know, I'm again, I'm too much of a populist at heart too, but anybody that's able to be like, you like that? You like it too much. <laughs> it's off the menu. Uh, you really think it's a, it's a, is it really a no-win situation, though? It is a no-win situation. I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit like what we talked about earlier with the suffering. Yeah, but you can have pockets of it, though, right? And that, again, in terms of for someone that's listening, it's like, hey, you know what? I am going through that problem. Look at live concerts. There are patterns in culture that are the exact fucking same. So you might have to do an introduction. Hey, these are some of our new dishes. And then there's a period or like, if it's a tasting menu or it's like there's a portion on your menu that's a la carte, these are the classics. Mm-hmm. You, there's different ways you can do it, but you have to be able to get in forward of it the tra- before the traffic sort of begins, right? I'm just thinking about going to concerts and whenever... I'm fighting my own default setting here of when they say, this is a new song, I literally just want to boo. <laughs> <laughs> just want to say, no! Freebird! Just play Freebird! Um, no, but I think just just to just to tie it to back to what we were talking about uh, of discovery and and sort of being willing to try a restaurant that you didn't already know about. There's a little bit of that happening here too, where shit, this is a new menu, this is a new song. I'm not familiar with this yet. It doesn't. I don't get the same endorphin rush. I don't get the familiarity. I'm not comforted by this thing, but I'm trying something that I haven't tried, and I might come to love it. I might find some magical thing some song that now speaks to me in a new way, a, a menu item that I never would have ordered had my original menu item still been available. Like, I don't want to call it suffering, but it's 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 that same thing of you got to be willing to break out of the, the list. Um, we'll take a break. Um, one last topic before we get you guys out of here. Um, when do you know what dish is done, right? And that's just a question that I've been asked a ton. Um, I can't remember who asked this to me recently. He's like, the hardest thing to know is when you're done. When you're done with a dish. And that's one thing where I feel like all of us are guilty of adding too much sometimes. It rarely do you ever at a point in a dish where like it needs more. Hmm. It's almost always like, shit, I did too much. Mm-hmm. What's What's funny about this is you almost, for, for a dish, you almost want to set a time limit and just say, it's done for today. Well, it's why, I mean, but again, before the pandemic, I said the best time to work on a dish, in my opinion, just for me and the people that I work with, is 4 to 5 p.m. Because you have it's a golden deadline. It is, I always call it as the golden hour. It's the golden hour in film and photography because of sunlight. It's the time where you're usually eating family meal and it's right before service begins and you don't have time to overthink it. You have to go as the crow flies and you can't fuck it up, right? And that's the beautiful moment. And that's what makes food, to me, some of the most enjoyable parts of my life are those moments where you're like, I I have to be present. It's very zen. Like, I gotta just hit that mark. And then I don't have time to fucking be cool. I gotta gotta make it great. Mm -hmm. Being great is totally different than being fucking cool. In my opinion. And it's totally different than being perfect. <laughs> you know? I think you're totally right that it my has to be... My ancestors invented wabi sabi. <laughs> it has to Which be... Which they stole from the Japanese. <laughs> it has to be... <laughs> this fucking thing. God damn. Oh, fuck, man. What's the Korean concept of wabi sabi? That the Japanese Imperfection. Stole from the, the celebration of imperfection. I actually don't know that fuck. one. Fuck. Yeah. I used to know this stuff. Well, I, I think that it it's... doesn't matter. I Just think, know that Wabi Sabi was stolen from fucking Korea. <laughs> and that's a fact. I, um, no, it is a fact. I know. I want a little sound effect on here that we can put <laughs> a little, a little uh, kicker. No, I, I think... You that, couldn't go through a podcast without fucking... <laughs> I was just thinking, we talk about James Joyce and Korean ceramics a lot of this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, the deadline is everything, I think. For, for me, it's writing, where I don't... If, if, if there wasn't a deadline and I had to submit or I had to turn something into the publisher, 
I would tinker forever. And I can't, I can barely read something I've written because I think, well, I should have said this differently. I should have rewritten this. This was a stupid way of writing something. This doesn't, this, there's no rhythm to this sentence, blah, 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 blah. But you need a deadline, you know? And in food, it doesn't necessarily exist because you could tinker forever on a dish unless you have the four to five. I don't know if I agree thing. with that. You, you don't always have time to tinker a dish. But I'm just like, in that moment when you're creating the dish, whatever, we should end this fucking pot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give us five stars. Um, and uh, yeah, who knew that we were going to talk so long about food snobs being the worst snobs in the world. <laughs> <laughs>